Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I'm thrilled to have on today David Meltzer, who is the co-founder and CEO of Sports One Marketing. He has an amazing story and is a tremendous podcaster and motivational speaker and someone I follow closely. But what's so exciting about his story, despite in, including the fact that we have a lot of uh, mutual connections here in San Diego, was that he started out with nothing and had become a, a multimillionaire nine months out of law school and uh, by age 32 was very, very successful. But then basically he went broke and then made it all back again and is now a successful serial entrepreneur. But what's so exciting about him is his ability to be open to all of the challenges and all of the lessons that he learned and how he allows value and focusing on helping others and being authentic and and keyed in on the most important parts to be the main guides in his life. So that was why I was so fascinated to reach out to him because he is operating at the highest level in terms of entrepreneurship, in terms of business, in terms of the sports world, but he's extremely values focused. And I think that the more that you find people like Dave who are out there and speaking about this idea of making an impact, but like through good and that you, you, you don't have to be deceitful and lie and all kinds of other things. And, and he's like someone that's very open. Like that was what he did. And he's not like that anymore, and he's completely changed his life. It gives us a lot of confidence to be able to live a principled and a valued life, a life where we are focusing on coming back to center, which is something we talk a lot about, and 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 David speaks a lot about in terms of you know you can have all kinds of things going around you at all times, but if you know how to come back to center, if you know the main and the most important components of your life, you will be successful. So there's a ton here. Um, I, I encourage you please to take notes and with no further ado, David Meltzer. One of the things that has made such an impact in the message that you give out is this concept of finding your center and the, the prevalence of mindfulness in your practice. I also found out I'm a rabbi that you are Jewish and you grew up uh, grew up Jewish. So I'm curious what part of that was you know like brought in also from your childhood, or if there is any connection between the mindfulness and the Jewish experience that you have. Oh, absolutely! You know, not only my Jewish, but my brother's a famous rabbi. Uh, without a doubt, my uncle Eli, my mom, my brother, uh, Jewish culture to me was extraordinary. Uh, that's where the mindfulness comes from, the, from Judaism, but also religion of Judaism, because the whole basis of what I learned from Judaism from my family was to question it, right? To question our religion. To, right. The book, the Jewish book of why is what I, I grew up on. And so it, it led me into a journey of understanding this trajectory that you're talking about, be, finding your center. And because uh, I'm more a mass um, personality now, I try to bring every thing together. The problem I have with dogmatic religion is I don't want it to separate people. At the, at the core, I believe everyone's one. And so therefore, the problem that I have with people calling me Jewish as far as religious Jew is that I feel it separates me from people and I'm at one with everyone. But I, I live with a, a Jewish value system, uh, a Jewish culture, and I can pick and apart every religion for the tenets that I don't agree with and separate us. Uh, but most importantly, going back to center, uh, the, the, the corrosion to God, 
right? The connection to God, to inspiration. I don't care what you believe in. You can call it source energy, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith. I don't care. Let's just call it God for this one. Uh, when I connect to God, goodness, the cleaner the connection I have, then, then I can accelerate everything that I want in life. This allowance happens, right? This appreciation happens. And so what I learned was the faster that I propel myself in a direct trajectory towards what I want, my potential, my truth, my God, right? Everyone together, the faster it is, the more dangerous it is to get off of trajectory, just like a race car, right? The faster your race car or motorcycle is, if you go off the, off the road, you go off the road fast and there's bad accidents. Well, what I learned because I do propel my life so quickly is that I need to be very conscious and aware of setting my path towards the truth. And through this um, journey I've been on, I've learned that getting back to center is one of the most important things I, I can do because not only does it keep the acceleration, the expansion of my life, the goodness in my life, but it also allows me not to go too far off track. And most people ask me, like, how do you lose all that money? Well. I was moving at an accelerated pace. So one bad, it wasn't the decisions that I made, by the way. It was truly the assumptions I made to make those decisions, right? I made one really bad assumption that I could borrow against my properties, you know, and banks would do that if I had equity. I'd never imagined banks going broke and wanting to hold my property. Well, that's a bad assumption. I use, you know, we both have many friends like my uncle Eli that are great doctors. But if my uncle Eli would make a bad assumption as a physician, even if the 99 other prescriptions that he gave me and treatments that he gave me were correct, I could die, <laughs> right? Like, that's the trajectory. So I have to be very conscious at all time when I'm ego-based decision, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, guilty, anxious, fearful that I have to go back to center first. So, so just to, to reiterate what, what, I, what I think I'm hearing is that the, the most important approach, which might have been something that you discovered a little bit later in your life, was how to find that center and how to connect with that truth. And a lot of times people get lost in the weeds of the differences in terms of different religions. And when you're seeing your faith as something that separates you and makes you different from someone else. So then it becomes unproductive and it also could lead you in the wrong direction. Whereas when you're looking, how do I provide the most value for someone? How do I connect the most profoundly with myself? So there, there is universal truths that you right away will jump to. Is that a fair assessment? That's a very fair assessment. I could have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to switch hats just uh, slightly. You know, we just watched the, uh, the the very exciting Super Bowl, and what what came out from there again? I guess more more Jewish themes potentially with uh, with Julian Edelman was um, just the the unbelievable relationship between the man who was the MVP and how we related to Tom Brady with just like just such like such a teammate. And and Tom Brady was the same way that you saw this tremendous sense of of camaraderie and and compassion and friendship even with the opposite team um i heard your your interview with um with the cj anderson also before and, and it's like this is not competition as people like to put it out there in this like cutthroat type of thing so perhaps could you give us some insight in is it like the new nfl was it always like this where people were such tremendous team players and how do you how do you build that culture in a team or in a workplace well i think it had to do with the two teams involved because both coaches are community builders, right? They're self-regulated community builders. They're value-based coaches. And that's what I learned actually from Bill Belichick by truly studying the coaches that I love, the ones that base everything on values and let the players play. 
Uh, they come prepared. They are prepared themselves. I love the interview with Bill Belichick before, and they asked him, you know, so, you know, what do you do? What, you know, what, what's the, you know, what are we going to do here? And, and he had like some simple thing like, well, you know, everybody's well prepared and we need to execute. It was simple. The, the universe loves simple. The universe is simple. And the simple truth is that McVeigh and Belichick have built this community based on values. And so they don't have to have a scarce uh, attitude of projecting and attacking. They have no fear. You know, it's not a fear base. So although they're extremely competitive, it's within, right? They both, and so they don't have to create a de demonic, you know, structure to go against. Everything is through them for the team as a un unified you know, being, and that's how both uh, teams were. I don't think the entire NFL is that way, not to pick on anyone, but if I think Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, it would not have been the, the same type of humanity that you saw with the Rams versus uh, the uh, New England Patriots, which I am now dubbing the Super Bowl as the New England Invitational. <laughs> that's very funny that was it was crazy so do you think and, and just kind of i don't know your experience with knowing the different leaders on on the different teams do you think that 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 has to start with inner work i guess you've been saying of, of of like kind of conquering your own ego and then you can go onto a competitive field and not get drawn after the the kind of the pettiness or was like how does one kind of cultivate that that concept or this idea within themselves you know i think it's from the ownership down and so okay. both owners, I think they hire a coach to do their job and portray, and they hire them based off of the values those coaches have and the experience that they have. Where if you look, my, my favorite thing about looking at Jerry Jones, who I think is a, a great entrepreneur, is that when Jerry Jones was most successful, he had a coach that he let coach, right? He, he, he let him coach. And that's when he won the Super Bowls with Troy Aikman. That's when then he won. And and I see too many times that when there's scarcity involved, right, it's scarcity, all these ego-based emotions, that the team gets in its own way. Um, it has to have an alter ego. It has to have a collective belief. It has to have a higher purpose, ironically, which is what I, I played football in college. I'm, you know, I'm so proud of Edelman, but it kind of bums me out because I was one of the best Jewish football players I knew. Oh, man, sorry about that. <laughs> Olshansky, he was a great one, Igor, but... You know, there's so many, there are very few of us, but he's outdone himself. But it, truly, you know, to see that type of culture, this alter ego that exists of, you know, the greater good, a higher purpose is why these teams keep winning. That's unbelievable. Um, if I could potentially shift shift gears over here, um, and, and I'll, I'll cite any, uh, any of the interviews where you go through the amazing story about how not just it wasn't about like the, that that you that you lost your your money, but be, even before that, when you were kind of riding high, you had a, a, you have you have a wife that had the foresight of basically saying that you have to live your life differently, and that you are not just you know one of these like ego driven guys. Like you had, I guess, sort of leveraged your personality to grow to the position of prominence that you had. I'm curious when that change occurred. Obviously, I think it changed your your business and how you approached your life. But was there any strategies in terms of parenting and how you were raising your children that changed as well? Yeah, um, I, I wasn't prioritizing my family. Okay. Uh, and obviously my wife is critical, my mom is critical, my siblings, but my children are, are to me my legacy. And so um, I stopped pretending. I, I, I'd say that I was a manipulator. I was not only a manipulator in business, I was a manipulator of my family. 
right? Without prioritizing my family. So the only thing now, it's really weird because I would tell people family first, but my actions weren't aligned with what I would tell people. And now family is not first to me. I, my health is first. Hmm. And I think by putting my health first, I put my family first. And so I put my health, then my family, then my business. And so I, I just got off a phone call literally two minutes ago when we, before we started. And they said, Dave, we need you to come to the All-Star game. And I said, I probably won't be there. I, that's the weekend. And it le- I just came from the Super Bowl, which unless the Chargers made it, my, my son and my kids didn't want to go. But I'm going to spend the weekend with my family. And whatever should be missed at the NBA All-Star Game, I have tons of interviews they want to do. Tons of people want to be on my podcast. There's a lot of business development. You know what? Somebody else can go. And that's the big change that I would go in a heartbeat before I reevaluated. I shifted the paradigm of value. I prioritized everything in my life. One of the things I talk about is the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential. My greatest potential is that of a father. Right. If I'm truly going to empower others to empower others, I have a consistent touching, you know, in connection to my family. Well, I give actual minimums amount of times because I do travel that every day I'm connected to minimum 30 minutes with my wife, minimum 30 minutes with my eight year old. And I have three teenage daughters, so they get a minimum of two minutes. And that's only because I asked for five and they could only give me two. Um, um, but I'm okay with that. But every day, I don't miss a day without calling, texting, and emailing all of them for the, those minimums amount of time. And I actually added one minute who, you know, my other savior is my mom, uh, you know, my wife and my mom. My mom gets a minimum of one minute a day because I have found that if I just make sure my mom knows I love and appreciate her, that that is fulfilling. It's my reward to her. It's It's payback for all the sacrifice that she gave to me. If everyone's out there, if I can give you that piece of advice, make sure that you are in consistent contact with the people that you love the most and make sure they know you love and appreciate them. Your relationships will be very solid. It doesn't take long. That, that's, a, that's, that's phenomenal. And, and just to, to really to tie in that, that idea, I think a lot of people who are, who are going after it and hustling and it's whatever it is in business, in, in sports, whatever it might be, there's a certain fear that if you, I guess you can say of getting soft or of losing that laser focus, which I feel like is something that people speak a lot about. So how does a person balance what you just said, the idea of, of putting the priority on your family I guess, is it a certain level of faith? Is it, is it the sense that you'll just get better overall? How does a person rectify that I have to take care of the other components of my life and at the same time stay like laser focused on my goals? Well, first of all, everyone has 24 hours of activity and that includes sleep. So I look at activity as activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for, right? I'm a business person and I want to maximize the abundance because I know one thing, the more money I make, the more I can give. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it allows me to shop. And what I learned from the second life that I've had is when I learned to shop for the right things, giving money to my brother's temple, giving money to build community centers in Africa, giving money for scholarships at Patrick Henry there in San Diego. When I shop the right way, I live a fulfilled life. And I can't shop without the money though. So I, I, I literally look at those 24 hours and I say, BS to everybody that tells me that they can't be laser focused because you can always carve out, what did I talk about? An hour and six or seven minutes a day. That leaves me at basically 23 hours 
uh, you know, whether it's I'm going to sacrifice an hour of sleep or I'm going to sacrifice, you know, an hour of watching, wasting time. So I challenge myself to be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. I am a math person. I study my calendar. I look how productive I can be and how accessible I can be. And accessibility is a key word. Not only accessible to people like you and my family and friends and community, but also how am I accessing what I want? Right? Accessibility is a two-way machine. Everything comes through me for others. I need to be able to access what I want, the people I want, the ideas that I want, the inspiration I want. And 24 hours is more than enough time to get everything done that you want because God would not allow us to sleep if it wasn't. If, if we needed all 24 hours, God would not want us to sleep. But we need that time as well. And I actually study sleep so I can be more productive, effective, and statistically successful sleep. Amazing. All right, Dave Meltzer, thank you so much for the time. I profoundly appreciate it. Well, I look forward to meeting you in person and say hi to my niece and nephew for me. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.